0: Good morning, Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I am James Botty Washington. Today is Wednesday, February 1st, and here are some of the stories we are covering. Pope Francis begins the second day of his visit to
1: DRC today, Wednesday. On Tuesday evening, thousands of people are expected to gather at Ndolo Airport for a prayer vigil before Mass on Wednesday morning. Amnesty International urges
0: the pontiff to ask the leaders of the DRC in South Sudan to end impunity for conflict-related abuses in their countries. South Sudan holdout groups welcome the government's lifting of restrictions and Rome peace talks. Malawi's government sacks all workers at its national green marketer. SADC calls for dialogue between the Eswatini authorities and pro-democracy groups.
2: For us, we have been always asking for the dialogue because we believe that that's where we're going to iron out our differences with government.
0: And Namibian authorities expressed concern about the increase in rhino poaching. Those stories and more are coming up on Daybreak Africa. Francis arrived in the Democratic Republic of Congo on Tuesday, the first stop on his apostolic journey to Africa and his 40th trip abroad since the beginning of his pontificate. His plane landed earlier than expected in Kinshasa at 2.33 p.m. local time. He was greeted by throngs of admirers upon his arrival at the airport. Journalist Zaneb Neti Zaidi in the DRC has details.
1: the sound of drums applause and cries of joy from the faithful welcomed Pope francis bishop zambala from the capital of kinshasa appeared a few minutes after the arrival of the pontiff
3: Comme vous le savez des années, vous he said
1: physical, people have been waiting for years and for a trap which he called a visit, a visit of, visit of hope to the congolese the people
3: murder,
1: Expectations are high in the DRC, where more than 40% of the population is Catholic. This priest, Obemosenga, says he hopes that the Pope's visit will help the victims of atrocities, especially in the east of the country. There are scores of militias in the region, including the Tutsi-led M-23 rebels, which have taken over swaths of land. Over 4 million people have been displaced, while nearly 6 million people in DRC lack adequate access to food. He
3: says
1: he expects a Pope to be a spokesman for the decision makers. As the death toll in the east of the country has been in the thousands, he thinks that his visit should send a message to those who are suffering in Congo. This Catholic faithful, including Jean Zanzu, who came to welcome the Pope also, thinks that a solution can be found after his visit. He says that since the country is at war for years, and it has been a long time since a pope has come to Congo, it is the right time for him to arrive. He thinks that his coming will bring an end to the fighting. In his first speech in Kinshasa, Pope Francis strongly denounced the economic colonialism that he says is still present in Africa. On Tuesday evening, thousands of people are expected to gather at Ndolo Airport for a prayer vigil before Mass on Wednesday morning. A million faithful are expected to attend Zanem Netizaidi for VOA Africa. As Pope Francis began his six-day visit to
0: the Democratic Republic of Congo in South Sudan on Tuesday, Amnesty International is urging the head of the Roman Catholic Church to publicly call on the two countries' leaders to end impunity for crimes under international law and take steps to achieve justice and accountability for conflict-related abuses. Jean Mobert Senga is an Amnesty International researcher based in Nairobi, Kenya. He tells viewers Nabil Bi that the pope is in a unique position to use his moral authority to urge Congolese and South Sudanese leaders to address rights abuses in their respective countries we are calling on
4: pope francis to use his power and uh, influence to call on directly President Chisekedi and uh, President Kiir of Sudan to end impunity for serious crimes which have been committed for decades in the DRC and for uh, several years now in in South South Sudan, as accountability and justice are essential to ending the cycles of, of conflict. Your statement points out that both the DRC and South Sudan are struggling with transitional justice
3: and impunity for war crimes and rights abuses. Uh, what do you hope the Pope can achieve if he delivers uh, this message?
4: Well, there, there is clearly a lack of um, political will uh, in both countries. In the DRC, um, President Tshisekedi has several times indicated that he wants to address impunity, but in fact, he has done little uh, in terms of implementing Justice and accountability for for the serious crimes, and you know the the efforts that has been made so far are too slow and insufficient, considering the scale and the urgency of the of the situation. You know, as we speak, uh, there is an ongoing conflict in eastern DRC, and in, in even in the west, and impunity is a major driver of those conflicts. In South Sudan, um, since 2018, there has been an agreement to establish a hybrid court with uh, support um, by the African Union. But due to lack of political will, once again, the uh, establishment of this uh, court for South Sudan has been delayed and uh, victims um, are still waiting for justice, uh, which is uh, overdue. Um, So we we are calling on the Pope to really touch on this uh, this issue and uh, demand or urge these authorities to take concrete measures and urgent measures to make sure that um, ending impunity is really, really a priority, a top priority. These two countries, uh, like you mentioned, are troubled by conflict. And the Pope is visiting to urge uh, peace, forgiveness, uh, turning a new leaf, etc., And you know, the issue of justice is a thorny one, as it might implicate some of these very leaders he's meeting with and he's addressing. How would uh, such a message be received? If there is one person who can speak truth to the power, to the leaders, it's the Pope. And no matter what their own responsibility might be, there has to be justice because what we are talking about goes beyond their individuals. It's about millions of people who have been affected either uh, killed or uh, forcibly displaced or, as we speak, uh,
0: dying of hunger and diseases because of, of conflict. That was Amnesty International Researcher Jean Mobert Senga speaking with my colleague Nabil Biadjo from the Kenyan capital Nairobi. South Sudan holdout groups are welcoming the government's decision to lift restrictions on the Rome peace talks ahead of Pope Francis' visit to Juba this week. South Sudan's presidential affairs minister announced last weekend the resumption of political dialogue with opposition groups. A National Salvation Front spokesperson says the government should show its commitment to resolve root causes of the conflict at an upcoming roundtable conference. Dank Guide Deng has this report for VOA
5: from Boa. Pagana Mom, leader of the holdout opposition group, the realist Pelham, who is a spokesperson of an alliance of five opposition groups, called the non signatory South Sudanese opposition group, says the decision to return to the Rome talks is a good step. But he is skeptical about the government's motivation.
3: I would like to say that this statement, lifting Their uh, suspension of the Rome peace talks is showing that President Kiir and his government are not serious nor committed to peace in South Sudan. Because today the only reason they are giving to lift the restrictions is the visit of His Holiness the Pope to South Sudan next February.
5: Amom says halt out groups hope that the key administration is serious this time around and does not change its mind and leave the Rome peace process again after the Pope's visit ends.
3: We are ready to discuss a way forward for South Sudan. It is clear that all the peace agreements have not been implemented. It is clear that all the transitional government have failed to bring peace and democracy to South Sudan. It is clear that all the transitional periods have ended up either in return to war or uh, to a situation where the state is threatened with collapse and the country is threatened with disintegration.
5: Suba Samuel, spokesperson of the National Salvation Front, or NAST, Holdout Group, says the government has on several occasions suspended their participation in the Rome Peace Initiative, but he welcomes the decision to once again participate in the talks.
3: I remember last time they went to Juba to consult with them, and I think before they could provide their answer, they immediately went and suspended the Rome Peace Initiative. For that, they have accepted to come back, I think, it is good for them now to accept us to begin discussing. To let them come to Rome and hear what is the gist behind the roundtable conference. So for us, if they think they wanted to resume these talks, they want to dialogue, their hearts have changed because of the visit of the Pope and Jesus Christ has touched their hearts, then let them agree and then accept and throw their weight the round table conference to be conducted in neutral place such that we agree on the modalities of how we can pacify the country
5: twice before the unity government suspended its participation in peace talks it first halted the talks in 2021 accusing the NAS of attacking and killing four people including two catholic nuns along the juba nimli highway the opposition group denied the accusation the second boycott was last November. Presidential Affairs Minister Bernaba Marial Benjamin alleged the South Sudan opposition groups was buying time to prepare for war. A charge opposition groups staunchly denied. For VOA News, I am Deng guiding in board.
0: You are listening to Daybreak Africa on the Voice of America. I'm James in Washington. Today is Wednesday, the first day of February. For more African news and features, visit our website at voaafrica.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Malawi has sacked all 4,063 workers of the country's state funded national green marketer, the Agriculture Development and Marketing Corporation, or ADMark. The government says the move aims to reform the organization, which is marred with corruption, theft, and poor administration. However, labor activists are not satisfied. Lamek Masina reports from Blantio.
6: The government says the 100% retrenchment exercise went into effect on Tuesday when all the workers stopped working for the film. It says the aim was to resuscitate the corporation, which has long been accused of corruption, theft, and poor administration. In September, the government shut down Admark and put the workers on an indefinite paid leave, except for a skeleton staff in areas had hit by food shortages. But this time, the government says it will pay the employees January salaries, pension arrears, and retrenchment packages. However, labor activists are not satisfied. Luther Mambala is the labor rights activist. He says although retrenchment is legally acceptable, the government could have told the employees about the intended changes last year when they were on paid leave. And
4: with the economic system that we're in now, I don't think uh, the money that they'll get through the treatment package will be of any benefit to anybody, because nobody was prepared uh, to, to
3: get that money at this time and to do anything tangible with that money.
6: Admark is renowned for providing affordable prices for maize, the country's main food crop. The company also buys crops from farmers and offers government-city buying prices to keep away private traders who exploit farmers by buying crops at very low prices? Jacob Nirongo is the chief executive officer for Farmers Union of Malawi.
4: What we expect is uh, that uh, the reform process will create an ADMAC uh, that can provide first point of call in terms of uh, commodity market because we know that ADMAC has infrastructure across the country and that puts ADMAC at a position where it can provide a ready market close to the farmer.
6: However, agriculture experts have voted the government for the action. Henley Mkwamba is a lecture on agricultural policy and econometrics at the Longway University of Agriculture and Natural Resources. He says sacking the entire staff means the company has lost ethical and professional employees.
3: Uh, the best to do it was to do a proper forensic audit and track all the bad apples and deal with them effectively. But to come up with a, an entirely new ADMAC is not a very wise solution because we lose institutional memory.
6: And the government says some workers will be given new contracts for three months to help with the transition of the state-owned company. Lamek Masina for VA News. Blanta, Malawi.
0: Leaders of the Southern African Development Community, Sadek Troika-Organ, have called on the Eswatini government to urgently initiate a process of national dialogue with pro-democracy groups in the country. In a communique issued Tuesday at the conclusion of their Extraordinary Summit in Namibia, the leaders urged all stakeholders in Eswatini to participate peacefully in the dialogue. They condemned all killings in the kingdom, especially that of Tulani Maseko, who was chair of the opposition. Coalition called the Multi Stakeholders Forum. The SADC leaders also called for a swift, transparent, and comprehensive investigation into the killing of Maseko. Busi Ma'isala is the leader of the Swazi First Democratic Front Party. She tells me that Eswatini pro democracy groups have always been interested in dialogue as the only avenue to iron out their differences with the government.
2: On the issue of dialogue, I really believe that. The spate of killings in the country is basically um, making Swaziland to be a concern for the region because the peace in the country is deteriorating. I think now SADC will be forced to do something or to force the government to have the dialogue with uh, the pro-democracy organizations. Yes, it has been an ongoing thing, but this time I think the terrain has changed. And even government as well is basically a way that if they fail to have the dialogue, this will end up turning into war. And I don't think anyone of, of both parties wish for a war. Southern is a small country already suffering. I was struck by the
0: comment of the Namibian president. And that is that uh, one doesn't always make peace with friends. You make peace we are enemies. This, I'm thinking, goes both ways to the Eswatini government and also to the pro-democracy movement. Uh, you are
2: willing to make peace and engage in dialogue. For us, we we have been always asking for the dialogue because we believe that's where everything will start. We believe that that's where we are going to iron out our differences with government. That's where we are going to demand and negotiate the settlement in the issue of having our elected MPs, our elected government. But without the dialogue, we know that that is not possible. So that's the first step in the right direction. And we are really hoping government is going to consider this one.
0: Bussi, the SADC communique asked the Eswatini government to conduct a swift, transparent, and comprehensive investigation into the killing of uh, Tulani Maseko. How confident are you that this will
2: take place? I'm not confident that uh, the Southland government is capable of investigating itself because um, we really believe they have a hand in the death of Tulani Maseko. So having them do the investigation, we think it's going to be compromised. So we are hoping that um SADC or an international body is going to help get an independent investigator on the issue otherwise we are not confident that we are going to get a fair investigation on this one if it's done by government
0: That was busi Maisela founder and president of the Swazi's First Democratic Front Eswatini's first female led political party she was speaking with me from the Namibian capital Windhoek Namibian authorities say poachers killed 87 rhinos last year, almost double the number killed in 2021. Namibia is home to the world's largest free roaming black rhino population. Conservationists say poachers seeking rhino horns for Asian markets are targeting Namibia's commercial farms, as Vita Angula reports from Vinhok.
7: Simpson Urikob, chief executive officer of the Save the Rhino Trust, told VOA there have been almost no incidents of rhino poaching in Namibia's rhino conservancies for the past 30 months. He said, however, that poaching is a major concern in the more than 2 million hectare Etosha National Park and on commercial farms where rhinos serve as tourist attractions. To be honest, um, poaching on Comania land, in the conservancies, the last poaching we had was, um, I
3: think, during the, 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 the lockdown, which was in 2020. That was the last poaching we had in our conservancies. Uh, But uh, poaching is still happening in in Etosha and on private land. That's where the poachers are
7: targeting now. Last week, a parliamentary committee on natural resources held a meeting with various stakeholders in the tourism and conservation sectors to discuss the increase in poaching. The Director of Wildlife and Parks at the Ministry of Environment, Bennett Kahure, said poachers target the national park because of its size, which makes it hard to protect. Different syndicates uh, operate in the country targeting rhinos wherever they exist. Um, Given a small chance, they will strike and they will strike again. Ministry of Environment spokesman, Romeo Muyunda, said although incidents of elephant poaching have drastically declined over the years, poaching of rhinos Remains a major concern. The
4: ministry has expressed this concern, um, considering the fact that we have recorded 87 rhinos poached in 2022. Um, this is um, obviously one of the highest numbers, but not the highest number of poaching that we have recorded. Um, we have had um, 43 rhinos um, recorded in 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 in, in 2020. Um, as well as um, 45 rhinos in 2021 and um, 84 rhinos in 2018. And uh, so far this year only one rhino has been
7: poached. Poaching has reduced rhino numbers throughout Africa in recent decades and the animal is now considered a critically endangered species. Namibia has an estimated 800 white rhinos and 1,800 black rhinos. Muyunda said the country has implemented measures in the national park to combat poachers, but declined to give further details so as not to undermine the additional security. Vitalio Angula for VOA News, Wintuk Namibia.
0: Ghanaian photographer and filmmaker Paul Nissan has opened Africa's largest photography library in Ghana's capital, Accra. The hub, called the Deccan Centre, houses more than 30,000 photography books and collections on African photography pioneers, diaspora and creatives. Eneka Chile reports from Accra.
8: Africa's largest photo library is the vision of Ghanaian photographer and filmmaker Paul Nissan who studied at the International Centre for Photography in New York.
4: Me, as an advocate of education, um, I wanted to be able to give fellow Ghanaians and Africans opportunities in a space and a place to be able to learn and share our core value and share um, experience and build a community as well.
8: The library, which opened in December, has more than 30,000 books from Linson's personal collection and donations from New York's private galleries, museums and bookshops. His goal is to expand the frontiers of African photography, which inspired the name Dinkan, an Asante word meaning take the lead.
4: It was the idea of accessibility, right? How do these materials become accessible to people? It's easy, right, to archive. It's easy to collect. But the most important thing is, like, how do these collections become, to make impact in people's lives and society?
8: Most of West Africa's historical moments were documented by Westerners and archived in libraries of former colonial powers. For Ghana's photographers, the Dinkins Center's library is a milestone. Francis Kokoroko is a documentary photographer.
4: A photo library like this um, kind of exposes the continent to possibility, you know. And for us, uh, it, it makes us take inventory
0: of what is actually being produced from the continent. And
8: Nekachile for VOA News, Accra, Ghana.
0: And that's it for this Wednesday, February 1st edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for coming aboard with us this morning. For more African news and features, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of the Daybreak Africa crew, I am James Button, in Washington, wishing that you will have a day.